When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep spent for Israel. Here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. Busy show today. Two guests on our radar. First, uh, we'll be joined by Ryan Craver at 8.15. He's uh, our retail expert. He's also the founder of Commerce Canal. And then at 8.35, we'll be joined by a new guest, Scott Bauer. He's a longtime veteran of the markets and options strategist. He's the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy. He will give us some ideas on the options side of the market at 8.35. In between them, before then, after them, Earnings is going to be the story of the day. Uh, that's kind of the theme here. We've got a, a, probably close to a dozen notable earnings reports between yesterday and, and, and today. So uh, we'll get through as many of those as we can. And that's what I got. Joel, what's the word here overnight? Uh, we're in the green by uh, two ticks here. Uh, all-time closing high yesterday, 31.32.75. Trading up uh, at 31.33.50. We had a little spike overnight. I guess there was a phone call. Uh, between China and U.S. That spiked us up 12 handles higher to 31.45. That'd be a nice juicy target today. That's 12 handles away. Uh, did have an R2 number there, but uh, nothing tradable. Uh, on the downside, pre-market low 31.28. That's just uh, above your daily pivot. That's your key to continued upside today. Crude back in the 58 handle, up 34 cents here, or actually 31 cents at 58.32. Gold down a buck thirty at fourteen fifty five sixty. Silver in the red, but two point one cents, sixteen point eight six five. And Bitcoin holding seven thousand, down sixty five dollars at seven thousand one hundred. Triple D, do we have a, a little better morning going than yesterday? Uh, they're all good mornings here, Joel. It just depends on when you log in. If you got positions working for you, against you, but it's always good. It was a little bit of a rough day with Uber there yesterday. And, you know, as uh, much as I learn here, I'm long Uber again overnight. So I don't know why. Even I must have bought it at the close for another reason. So <laughs> Uber is trading up 1% here this morning. So that's helpful. But in any regard here, um, it, it was it was ugly day because of Uber. I ended up, ended up closing green, but it was a battle to get back to green because of the Uber trade. All right. Well, good. And we're glad. But you know why you get bad trades? You got to work out of them. So, yeah, it came back, but, I mean, it didn't have to come back. So, I'm not sitting in there hoping the thing comes back. you got to cut the losses when you can. Okay. We cannot – we can. We got two guests today. So, we're just going to list – Spencer's going to run the show. No tangents. We're going to get a lot covered. Go ahead, Spencer. Go. 
All right, let's start, market. let's start with Best Buy here. Earnings from this morning, about an hour ago, they came out. Uh, Q3 EPS or adjusted EPS, a buck thirteen versus a buck oh three, and the estimates will beat there. Sales nine point seven six versus nine point seven billion dollars, and they also raised their guidance. They raised their full year adjusted EPS guidance by about twenty one cents. Uh, the low end of that was five dollars sixty. Now it's five dollars eighty one cents. Uh, and their Q4 EPS guidance came in above estimates. So a strong report for Best Buy. Can I just say that last night, the after hours traders, whoever they were, knew nothing <laughs> because they were selling Best Buy. Best Buy was down going into the print last night and DLTR was trading up four bucks going into the print. Now DLTR is down 10% and Best Buy is trading up 4%. So the after hours traders who you think sometimes maybe get an inkling or something, they knew nothing last night, at least on these two stocks. Joel, thoughts, concerns? Let's go Best Buy first. Stocks rallying here, three bucks this morning, getting up to a major resistance level. Does it take it out? Uh, well, pre-market high, 79 even. But, already did. Uh, yeah, they already did, but uh, 77.69. Uh, that's your all-time high. That's well, not your all-time high because you got to go back to 2018. But that's your oh, you're high. right. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, if you go back yeah. a little bit further, those pesky little 2018 highs up at yeah. 84.37. Yep, you're right. But uh, 77.69, it's just that all of these people that got caught in that little four-day, five-day sell-off, do they want their money back? And uh, that's going to be determined at 77.69. Uh, that's been your monthly high. That was your high from six sessions ago. So use that as a potential resistance point, and then things open up after that. I don't know. You could use the pre-market high after that at 79 even. Let's jump over to the Dollar Tree. So last night, the stock was trading up $3.50. I wanted to short into it, but I've been burning Dollar Tree before and I didn't have the guts. But it traded up to one sixteen and a half last night. Just got silly. They were pushing it on fast money as well. Um, the options guys were saying this can move, so that gave it more of a lift again. Uh, but apparently, those options guys didn't know anything either. Stock's down 16 points from where it was trading last night or 12 points from the close, whatever you want to talk. But wow, that's a big move here for DLTR. Yeah, and the EPS, this is weird because the EPS missed and the sales beat. So mixed uh, quarter for Q3. But then they raised their guidance. They raised their sales guidance for uh, the full year 2019. They raised it from, not by a lot, but they raised it from a low end of $23.57 billion to $23.62 billion. So uh a, a, you don't often see this move on on the back of a uh, of a guidance raise, but here we are. I, uh, it was up in the print, like I said yesterday. It was even up during the day, and then up another four points. So everybody had pretty good expectations that this was going to be a pretty good print. Obviously, wasn't good enough, so we're trading off. I'm just looking. Yeah, the miss though on the earnings doesn't help though. So dollar oh eight versus dollar thirteen. Dollar Tree isn't one that usually misses. So I think that's probably the main reason here, even though they did do the slight raise in the guidance, but it wasn't significant, the raise either. So 100 bucks, I mean, you're at a big psychological level there. What does it do to the buy the dippers come in here? We've seen some violent moves in these dollar stocks before. Yeah, so like we've seen them before where they move down 10 points and then they drop another 10 points. So I, I'm not just jumping in here saying this one's going to bounce right back. It could, uh, but I think it's a no touch for me here just because I've seen some violent moves here on earnings before. Step down seller right now. Someone wants out of the stock. They went out bad. They're just pounding this thing, making lows as we speak. Um, before I saw us break that 100 level, I looked at uh, some of the price action from August and September. 
and basically a high at uh, nine, you know, 98, let's call it 100. So I call it 99, really from 99 down to 97 to 99. That's my buy zone. If I had a, a short on this thing, that's what I'd be looking at. You have a couple monthly lows there, but uh, this is going down. Someone just wants out of the stock. We'll see what the pre-market low is and uh, perhaps use that the line uh, to lean on. But uh, it looks like we're surely going to see 97, 91. Maybe, maybe we'll be seeing that soon. Go look at Dixon. Please don't call me Shirley. DKS trading up significantly here in the pre-market. Must have blew it away. DKS. Of course, and, and, and it was trading up last night ahead of the prints. So maybe these after-hours traders had it right. Uh, five bucks. These are, this is big moves, too. Dix, is, Dix, Dix moves. Wait, I don't understand the airplane reference there. He said Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah, I know. But because I don't, because I don't, Joel said Shirley no, 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 on the chart. That? Do I have to explain it? Oh, it's, it's, oh, not oh. A, it's not funny if you, you have to explain it. So Jer no, no, Joel I said just, Shirley oh, about the chart. Okay, see that? I, I missed that. <laughs> there I, you go. I, you missed I, it. I missed Joel <laughs> saying Shirley. Even <laughs> I know that movie. No, I know the movie. Joel, I just, I even just, he missed you saying Shirley. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's from Leslie Nielsen. DKS, great movie. Q3 EPS, 52 cents versus 37 cents, so a beat. Sales also beat 1.96 versus $1.91 billion. They are also raising their full-year EPS guidance from a low of $3.30 to a low of $3.50. So a beat, a beat and a raise for DKS. And a raise of the stock price here. We are taking out all of the resistance from October and November. Yep. We got to go to the weeklies to try to find your resistance, and that's not going to go any good. We got to go to the monthlies, and we're going back to 2017. Dick's breaking out. Some of these retailers, you know, some are in the doghouse, some of them are in the penthouse. This one's in the penthouse, Joel. Why? Because Hibbit Sports had a good uh, report. So they Is just, that it? Yeah. No, I mean, not. it's crazy that some are doing well and some aren't doing well. I mean, we've had some. Big disappointments to kick off the earnings season with Kohl's and Macy's. And then we've had some pretty good re earnings reports from the retailers as of late. So I can't get my head around it. You know, some are doing good, some aren't doing that, good. That's always, the, that's always with the retailers, though. There's always big, you know, it's uh, big misses and big uh, big beats. But this one, following Hibbit Sports, uh, 45.50, we're buck fifty off that. So that'd be a nice target on the upside. Since hitting that uh, that forty five fifty level, your low has been at uh, forty three fifty. So there's your early range forty three fifty to forty five fifty. Uh, monthlies, what do we have here? And the monthlies, man, it takes a while. Nothing on the monthlies, folks, until fifty two thirteen. We're not going to see that today. But keeping an eye on the pre market high, if it breaks below forty three fifty, you could see a little bit of a uh, pullback. And just Hibbit Sports hit its high in the pre-market, too, and sold off a little bit. So if you want to use that as an indicator for DK, DKS, I did buy a pair of gloves there last quarter, ring gloves. They were pretty good. I was pretty satisfied with them. Go. Earnings Parade here continues. The big one from last night, the disappointment from last night, has got to be Palo Alto Networks. PNW is trading down a cool 20-point handles here this morning. Again, the big run-up into the print. So what does that mean? It means you got to blow it away to continue to go higher. It means expectations are high. It means the bar is set high. So always nervous buying stocks ahead of the earnings when they're running into it. Uh, how they do? Uh, good quarter. They beat on the EPS and they beat on the sales. The bad news is their guidance was not quite good enough. The Q2 EPS guidance missed the estimate. Q2 sales guidance was in line. The full year EPS guidance was a little bit light. And the full Wait, year. Four years? I'm sorry, full year. 
Oh, full year. I was going to say four years. These guys the, really the, know what's going on. The full year guidance, EPS guidance light, sales guidance for the year, uh, a little bit. That was in line. So in line sales guidance light on the EPS guidance. It kind of overrides that earnings beat from yesterday. Giving back its entire gain from November. Now we're starting to look at the gains from October. Down at 210, there's huge support. I don't know if you're getting there. That's a long ways away. Um, you could do the 50%, though. You could say the 210 to the 250 or 230. You're kind of there right now. So I think you could find some buyers on the dip on the Palo Alto Networks. I don't know if I'm coming in at 229, but uh, below Someone, that, you can find some buyers. Someone's coming in, Dennis. Someone definitely wants to bring some stock in here. Don't know if it's from a short or covering some puts or something. But since you spiked down, that initial bar took you down to 228.10. And then here are your lows, 28.44, 28 even, just all in that area. So there's a buyer here, 228 to 230, just taking it, not, not chasing it, just sitting there on the bid, bringing it in. So there is a buyer at this level, much different than the Dollar Tree, Dollar Tree chart where, boom, it was just a step-down seller. Here you still have sellers, but there is a buyer lurking here. Uh, be you know, if you had a short, be tempted to maybe join them and see if you get hit on the bids on that. Uh, based on the daily charts, uh, you have a low at 227.22 and then 224.57. But uh, just someone's buying here. Is there an iceberg, Dennis, or are they showing a decent bid? Um, no, no, I don't really see any bits and you know, it, it could just be algos. It could be anything. It could just be the technical formation. I, you know, just scalping in between, but it looks light to me everywhere on the, if I look at just the, uh, just at the pre-market here, I okay. don't see much in the book. Okay. All right. Let's move on to, where should we go? Let's go to Nutanix. NTNX reported earnings, uh, after the close yesterday and it did well. NTNX reported a Q1 uh, EPS, 71 cent loss. That beat the estimate, though. 75 cent loss was the estimate there. So a beat on that as I pull the chart up here. Uh, sales, 314 versus 308, uh, six, excuse me, $306 million. So beating the beat for Q1 uh, for Nutanix. The full year sales guidance coming in in line. The Q2 uh, EPS guidance there coming in in line as well. It's been on the comeback trail, Nutanix has. So, and if we look, you know, I'm just talking about the terrible 2018 and 2019 when stock was up over $60. Turned around really in the summer at 17 and just been slow and steady climber in the back half of 2019 here. So um, the trend continues, a recent trend anyways. We were down at $18 in August and just quietly the stock has almost doubled in the last three and a half months. So it's been coming back. Doesn't Sean like this one? I think he might have mentioned this one, Sean Udall. I'm not sure. Uh, nice pop here. Got a seller, just like the other stock you had, a buyer. 35, 30 is your pre-market high. You bumped up there a couple times. You're a buck away. I would use that as a level. The monthly charts really don't help you out because you had a big decline. Uh, went from 43.19 in April of uh, this year down to 28.07 getting some of those losses back. Let's see if you can take out that 35 and a half seller coming back on the downside. Since you made that high, you're at your lowest level at 34 or it's actually 33.92. So let's call 34, 35 and a half your early range in Nutanix. All right. It is 8.15. So let's bring on our first. Wow. That was a fast 15 minutes there. Let's we actually it. covered a lot of stocks. Well, we, we tried to. there was no so, tangents allowed. 
No tangents. So uh, let's see if we can bring on our guest today. Ryan Craver, can you hear us? Oh, I think he's telling me to call him. So hold on one second. I I'm see him there. I see his name. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to, you know, what? I think we had this problem with Ryan last time where his, uh, his Zoom wasn't working for him. So you know what? Let's take a quick, quick break. Or, you know, I'll just, dial, why not dial him on the fly? Let's there do that. you go. I'll, I'll just call, call him on the fly and we'll hear the phone ring and we'll hope he answers. So let's see this. Right now, Ryan Craver, again, he's a retail expert. He's also the founder of Commerce Canal. He joins our show pretty much once a quarter. This is Ryan. Hey, Ryan, good morning. It's Spencer. How are you? Good morning, man. How are you? Uh, here with Joel and Dennis. Uh, I was just introducing you to our audience here. So you join us about every quarter to kind of give us a, a, a breakdown of the winners and losers of the uh, retail earnings season. I know we're not quite done yet, but we're most of the way there as far as uh, retail earnings are concerned. So, Ryan, high level here. Uh, Highlights from retail earnings. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good morning, everyone. Uh, earnings have been much the same that we've seen in the previous quarters. So the big mass guys like the Walmarts and the Targets, they've, they've done well. They continue to take market share away from the department stores. And the off-price guys, the TJ Maxx's, the Ross's, the Burlington's, even this morning, they continue to produce positive year-over-year results, also stealing from the department stores. So the two winners, mass and off-price, and the big, big loser continues to be the department stores. Um, we had Best Buy and Burlington report this morning. Both of them actually looked quite good relative to the rest of retail um uh, so it's it's playing out much as, as we've seen it before so i've got this chart up that we like for you to send us you send it to you're kind enough to send it to us before you come on our show it's just a breakdown of comps uh same store sales sort of across the sector here anything that sticks out that is different from previous quarters or is it pretty much the same story it's it's definitely the same story. Um, I think the one name that I didn't just talk about is Costco. Costco had a, another blowout quarter. They continue to show very strong monthly sales. You can see that in this chart. Um, Macy's got worse. Kohl's got worse. So, you know, it's it's the same themes. I just think that for those that it's getting more negative, it's getting even more negative. And for those that it's positive, it's just improving. The guys that aren't on here are more specialty players like the Lululemons and the dot-coms. So Amazon's obviously noticeably absent. They're taking a bunch of market share from, from these combined groups. And then other players that are doing the direct-to-consumer e-commerce websites like Shopify. Anyone that's that, where there is not a like a super high conviction right now, like not – super positive or super negative? Is there anyone that's sort of in the middle or sort of undecided? Probably the dollar stores. Um, dollar General, Dollar Tree, we've got reporting. They're kind of below the radar. Um, no, no one really talks about them in, in retail, but they have done a decent job. The other name that often doesn't get spoken about, but has had a pretty tremendous past decade, is five below, and you probably saw the, the recent headlines. They're actually now selling stuff above five dollars, uh, which actually should help the overall comp sales. You can't do that. <laughs> they definitely can't. But also, we also said the dollar stores couldn't sell anything above a dollar, but they definitely 
have started doing that. Uh, all right, I have a tough one for you uh, here, Ryan. Do, do you have? Do you follow Hugo Boss at all? This one trades OTC. I do not. I do not. Okay, I wasn't sure. It's OTC. Uh, uh, I wasn't sure if you follow it or not because I, I had a question about that. And also, do you follow the the luxury good space? I mean, we, we just had this this deal with Tiffany's. Is that on your radar at all? Yeah, I mean this LVMH behemoth. Uh, it's it's an impressive group of brands. I think Tiffany definitely complements it. Um, I know that we continue to think that Tiffany's within that luxury space, but over the years. They have, they have gone down further and further as to the group of income earners that they're trying to, to attract. So for LVMH, which plays at the very, very high end of luxury, I think that this Tiffany's acquisition, regardless of price, um, is definitely very complimentary, and it also extends them into uh, the lower tier luxury. So pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, Louis Vuitton trades as LVMHF for those who are uh, looking for a, a, a U.S. quote here. So, okay, I mean, you said it's the same story, the same winners, Costco, Walmart, Target. Um, what, what about Home Depot here? That, that's, that's one that Kramer sort of includes in, in his group of retail winners. Do you, how does that fit into to the rest of the space? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, Home Depot is um, definitely going to be a winner again. I think that this recent weakness um, definitely hurt the stock. But if I'm to pick between Home Depot and Lowe's, I'm going with Home Depot. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer in um, the, the Lowe's CEO. I just think that what he did in his previous career uh, with JCPenney is, is definitely not something that I think is, is going to help Lowe's. So if I'm to play the two, I definitely go after Home Depot in that space. We're on the line with Ryan Craver, Commerce Canal Group. Joins us just about uh, every earnings season to comment on uh, the earnings winners and losers here. We had a question, where does eBay uh, fit into in your retail landscape? Yeah, so eBay, uh, pretty amazing news on, on the whole StubHub uh, sale. It's also interesting that it came from an acquirer who used to run StubHub yep. uh, when eBay bought it uh, way back in the day. So, And I think he got let go back in 2006. Um, so I, I think they're going to continue to try and divest where they have uh, value. StubHub was the last remaining uh, major asset that they had, you know, they obviously spun off PayPal. They still got some other stuff in Kijiji and, and the classified stuff, but I, I don't see them improving anytime soon. If you are a seller on e-commerce, you're going to one of two places. The first place is Amazon for sure. The second place is Shopify. So those two names will continue to pull uh, from eBay, I think eBay is very strong in Germany, but beyond that, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, market share to be taken for a long, long time. And I also think Walmart is starting to get really serious about going up against the other marketplaces, eBay and Amazon included. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking eBay is a good long-term e-commerce play. Question from our chat here about BJ's. You follow that name at all? Yeah, BJ's Wholesale Club. So they, 
they have an interesting little niche. Uh, you know, the majority of their their store footprint is northeast. Um, I think if you look at where they compete against Costco, Costco is absolutely killing it uh, in terms of market share. Sam's Club is about flat uh, and kind of focuses on a different part of the country for the most part. So I think they can exploit that niche. With that said, their e-commerce uh, strategy is, is quite weak. Uh, they definitely have not focused on e-commerce, and that's where the majority of the retailers are getting their growth right now. Um, so if you've got it, maybe I'd hold it and put a tight stop on it, but it's it's not something I'd look to buy at this point. What's going on with Amazon here? Uh, touch that magical $2,000 level. Just been a real laggard on this rally here. Uh, you're looking for them. I mean, just been in a trading range, of that big one at that. Uh, give us your comments. When's, when's Amazon going to get back over 2000 Yeah, so I I think that this uh, trading sideways, they, they will eventually pop. Um, I, I can't see, specifically with our business, anywhere where they are weak. Um, the advertising that they're charging all the brands that we represent or sell continues to go up. It's still the best dollar spent in e-commerce today if you want to promote your brand. The growth um, that we're seeing in terms of sales for each one of the brands that we represent on, on Amazon continues to grow, um, and it's growing a lot faster than the rest of the industry. So, you know, if you focus on where they're making their money, AWS is slightly slower, but it's growing, you know, 35 to 40% on a larger base. They're, they're doing well everywhere. They're doing very, very well uh, everywhere. Um, so I'm a, I'm a long-term believer still to this day. I know, you know, we've been talking for years and, and we go back and forth with this valuation, but it is 50% of the e-commerce growth today. And it's, it's one you got to stay in. Why is JC Penny still trading? Great question. Um, <laughs> It is a great question. Uh, I I think them. I think Asina Group. Um, it's just it, the inevitable is going to happen. They're going down. They're not going to be able to pay their rent. They will continue to close stores. They can blame it on big ticket items. They can blame it on you know difficulty in, in the retail environment, but they just aren't moving fast enough. Um, Asina and JC Penney, in my view, are, are two that that definitely uh, you should stay completely away from. Ryan, are there any other ones? I mean, you think about Macy's with the 10% dividend here now. Obviously, Kohl's had a disappointment. I guess Macy's is 9.68. It's sold off uh, or rallied a little bit there. But is there any other big retailers that could go the JCPenney or Asino way here? I mean, we've lost a few. We always seem to lose a few. But um, you think about some of these stocks and you and especially Macy's, I look at a 9.68% dividend, and I think, is that dividend safe? What are your thoughts? Yeah, great question. I think Kohl's is safe for a while. I mean, granted, they are going to post low single-digit negative growth rates year over year, but I think they're, they're fine for a long, long time. Um, Macy's, I definitely think that the dividend is at risk. Uh, you know, they posted nearly 3% down year over year. Um, you know that their real estate valuation was incorrect. I mean, that's what kind of held it up for a long, long time. So I think they're going to have difficulty for, for a while. I don't see anything changing anytime soon. And the first thing they'll start to pull is the dividend. 
Uh, Ryan, for those of us or people who want, wanted to make a, like a Black Friday trade such that it exists, uh, any particular names you're most bullish on around Black Friday or, or making a trade around the next day or, or week? Yeah, so the ones that are more vocal about results are probably the ones I look to trade. And that, that one name that pops into my head that I think is most vocal about Turkey 5 slash Cyber Week is definitely Shopify. Really? Shopify is, Shopify is very loud and proud about the amount of volume or GMV that runs through their platform. I just I, I continue to watch every single one of the brands that we represent double down on Shopify. I continue to watch Shopify start to become the hub for your entire e-commerce business from marketing to shipping. These guys, these guys know what they're doing, and they've got a long, long um, growth trajectory ahead of them as they include additional services. So definitely uh, pay attention to that one over the next two weeks as the uh, Cyber Week happens. Didn't expect that answer. Yeah, what? Uh, they don't even have Thanksgiving in Canada, right? <laughs> Uh, they they do the they first do, week don't. of uh, October. The first week of October. Says the half Canadian. <laughs> uh, what's going to be the hot hot toy? Like Cabbage Patch dolls, or what? What's going to oh, be Lord. the the hot the hot uh, Disney Plus? <laughs> yeah, what's gonna, What's going to be the the hot the hot Christmas toy for 2019? Uh I don't know. You stubbed me on that one, Joel. So you're, you're making me finish off pretty pretty poorly. No, um, well, okay. All right. No, I just thought you might have something in mind. Uh, Air, Air, AirPods Pro are going to murder. Pro. <laughs> Amazon, eh, eh, Amazon's going to be very loud and proud about the Echo to the Show, to the Dot, uh, to the Kindle, because it's going to be lower priced. Um, one name that we definitely, definitely try and get a little bit more advertising through is Roku. So Roku's got, you know, obviously all the TCL TVs. They've got the Hisense TVs now. Um, right. They are let's, uh, let's on advertising fin- platform. Let, let's finish up with uh, Stamps.com. When's it going to be in triple digit? <laughs> uh, for those of you who are new listeners, this is one that we've gone back and forth on. I, I, I think it's the same as I've said before. It's the one spot that e-commerce companies can buy a lot of their shipping from, uh, regardless of the fact that they've lost their USPS monopoly. Um, they, they still are the one place that you have to go to buy postage, and they have a pretty strong platform in ShipStation.com that's used for a lot of uh, Shopify sites. So um, still bullish on them. I'm holding strong, Joel. Okay. I'm not beating you up over it. I mean, you know, you could have a couple <laughs> major – come on. No, right? the, the opposite. He's get, I think, I yeah, think, I think he's getting kudos because he was yeah. – you, know, yeah. you were backing up the truck when this thing was down 40, 50 bucks. So it was a good call. He has two trucks, though. That's the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Talk Same to you soon. You. All right. All right, uh, 8.30 on the nose here, guys. Uh, anything anything happening out there? 
anything. It's very quiet from an overall market perspective. I mean, yeah. you're down one penny on the spy. The TLT is rallying. Remember, that's going to be put pressure on the banks. You look this morning, and you can very much see that the financials are weak. JP Morgan trading down 30 cents. Goldman's down a buck. Morgan's down 20 cents. Citigroup. So you can see, you know, the weakness there, just with the inverse relationship between that and the TLT. Disney is strong. You had some Disney numbers. Have we talked those yet? Yeah, before we do, just real quick, boy, oh, boy, that step-down seller in Dollar Tree, holy mackerel, we're now at $97 here. Yeah, I was scared to call the bottom on that one. Yeah, it was. It it just, I mean, when you look at it, it's just stepping down. They're just reloading. So we'll see. Maybe that one you can catch the 929 and 59-second print. And uh, there's still that buyer out there in P-A-N-W, you know, pushing it up to 231 now just to – very, very patient. I'd be more inclined to buy the dip in a Palo Alto as opposed to the dollar. Yeah, tree. just because there's someone there buying. You got to figure whatever yeah. they're buying, if they get pounded again, they'll reload at, you know, 228, 229. But uh, Dollar Tree here has, hasn't stopped going down. Not at all. I mean, you know, you're trying to be a hero here. We're still just leaking here. I mean, look at this Dollar Tree. I mean, why be the hero? Let's wait until the thing stops going down. What do we get? We just made a low at 96.11. So you're working on a green candle here. Trying. You were trying. That, that's the first one this morning. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It actually is. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, it's, it's not an awful looking yet. chart here looking from the pre-market. Yeah. Yep. So uh, how are the other guys? Let's go back to what Ryan and what you, got, what you asked. You asked a question to Ryan about, obviously, Black Friday trades here. You know what I found interesting? Amazon showing life yesterday. And we often see, and I talk about the event run-up all the time and playing the event run-up, and there is a trade off with Amazon that it is strong ahead of Black Friday. Started early yesterday, though. I mean, maybe there's the overall market, but Amazon hadn't been participating in the overall market rally for a long time. Now, all of a sudden, it started participating there yesterday. I mean, it was a very strong rally yesterday in the overall market, but Amazon up 20, over 20 points. I mean, on a pullback here, and even looking this morning, Amazon's up another four points. Market's not, uh, you know, market's flat. Amazon's trying to trade higher here again. So do we make a run for 1800 ahead of Black Friday? Maybe. I think Black Friday sales are going to blow, blow it out of the water here. And the, usually the numbers are pretty yeah. solid, too, that Amazon reports. So you, you typically have a strength looking back, and maybe it's just selective perception on my part, but I've always noticed a relationship that Amazon's usually strong a couple days ahead of Black Friday and into it. So we're already seeing it. The trade started early. Usually it doesn't start till the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Started yesterday morning. So I'd love a little pullback on Amazon to get in there ahead of the Black Friday trade because I think there's room to 1800. All right, all right, real quick before we go to our second guest, let's do this Disney thing real fast. A uh, wow, Some third-party uh, data, data from a company called Aptopia, a research firm. Aptopia says that Disney Plus is averaging almost a million new subscribers per day. So not from the company itself, third party, but that's a big headline. There's some other data here, but I have, I have questions about what it really means, so I'm not going to you know, read it to you. But that, that million dollars, a million subscribers a day, that's, that's big. And I mean, this, this is a story that won't die. I subscribed. I'm one of those million on yeah, one of too. those days. Yeah, me too. Uh, you subscribed too? You ponied up the nine. Did you buy it for the whole year or did you buy it monthly? Oh, no. I, I got my parents to get a free through Verizon for a year. Oh, you get the free one. See, that's what's really pushing the numbers too is you guys getting the free ones. I actually right. you know, paid the 90 bucks Canadian right. for the whole year. So my kids are watching every day. 
I haven't, even, I haven't even used it yet. But uh, I watched The Mandalorian all three episodes. It's pretty good. And the kids watch basically Frozen. They just love Frozen, so they watch the same movie again and again and again. But it, there's some stuff on there. I mean, what are you going to take them to see? If Frozen? you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to buy it. If you got kids, you're going to probably buy it. Those are the two main people. What are you? What did you ask me, Joel? When are you going to take them to see Frozen? Maybe Thursday, because I'm taking Thursday morning off to go to the Benzinga. We're going to the Benzinga parade party there Thursday morning. Maybe I'll take them Thursday afternoon. That oh, makes, makes sense. They'd be open in Canada. That makes sense. So. Yeah, I just stopped. Are the theaters not open on Thanksgiving? They are. Yes. They're open here. They are. I would think yeah, they are. Uh, I think I, it'd be okay. a big day for them. I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Personally, I'm going to go back to Canada because it's not going to be a big day on Thursday in Canada. I'm going to go see Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I think, tomorrow night. Wow, big plans. Joel going to the movies. That's a, that's a very all right. Where is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood playing? At the is main. that a joke? No, it's it, it's it's with Tom Hanks. That's the new movie. Okay. Oh, anyway, I didn't even uh, know. I didn't even know that. So yeah, Mr. Movie Guy. Gotta gotta get out more. Dennis I'm not Hart. really Mr. Movie Guy. I like the older movies. I don't really go to too many. You didn't really movies. talk because I got the two kids. I don't get okay. to the movies. Well, anymore. Uh, we'll we'll do it after our guest because I I want to bring him on right now. Sure. So Scott Bauer is our guest right now. He is the CEO of Prosper. Trading Academy, a longtime market veteran at uh, CBOE and the CME. Uh, and Scott, uh, can you hear me? Hey, guys. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good, good. Before, uh, before we get into this, Spencer, real quick, yeah. were you ever at the, uh, at the Merck? I traded there for one year. I traded in the S&P 500 option pit for one year. And that year was – well, you look a little younger than me. No, I'm definitely not younger than you. <laughs> yeah, you are. Everyone that comes on this show is younger than I don't know if we've ever had a guest older than Joe on, I don't Joe think on the so show. Either. I don't think <laughs> so. So I'll tell you that one year – well, you, you guess. What, what year do you think I was there? I, you look familiar. I think it was between 85 and 92. No, no, no. Not, now you're dating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he's not that old. He just got, now he's insulted. So I, so I, so I hit the floor at, at the CBOE in 1991, but the one year I traded at the Merck was during the, the uh, financial crisis when the government, when the Treasury first announced the first bailout. So – I was in the pit when they announced the bailout the day before expiration. Oh, wow. Saw S&P's rally, you know, 80 points on that news. And in my, you know, almost 30 years of trading, I've never seen the whites of traders' eyes like I did after that announcement. It was absolutely insane. Absolutely who, insane. who were uh, some of the order fillers? So what? You, uh, so it was a little bit later, right, that you were there? Uh, who was? Do you remember any any of the order fillers that were there? In at the Merck. Yeah. Uh, DJ, DJO was okay. was his acronym, and then uh, the big guy from XFA, who's still there. Um, I'm not going to name his name. Okay. Uh, if you were there, you would know him. Um, I could tell you pretty much everybody from the CBOE, but my my one year at the CME was, uh, you know, like a flash in the pan. In what years were you at the CBO? 91 until, you know, pretty much current time. How about uh, Larry Mertz or John Schuler? Do you know any of those guys? They trade not. What, what were their acronyms? You know, you know from being a trader, a lot Shoe. of people don't, don't know other people's names, but they know their acronyms. Shoe was S-H-O-O and Larry Mertz, I think, was M-T-Z. I think. So there's – There you go. Okay. There's my SIBO badge. All right, Spencer wants right, to talk uh, markets. I, well, I have a question, Scott. I was looking through your, your bio here. Uh, 
it said that you were the only market maker on the SIBO to trade Amazon options in 97. Is that true? hundred percent true. Not only in, on the SIBO, but in the world, because at the time, at the time, options were not multiply listed. So if a stock was listed at the SIBO, it was not in New York or Philly or in San Francisco, vice versa. Amazon got listed on the SIBO and uh, there's a great story behind it, but it is a hundred percent fact for about three months. I was the only market maker on the floor to trade it. Wow. Those days are long gone. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a lifetime ago. That, that's interesting. All right, I, I want to get to this chart that you sent us. You were kind enough to send over a yeah. chart of the uh, 10-year uh, treasury. Uh, I'm going to bring it up here. Why don't you show us what we're looking at? Sure. So, so I love trading TLT, which is the 20-year ETF. But if you match that up to this chart here of the 10-year, the TNX here, <laughs> You can see just an incredible, obviously an inverse relationship here going back six, nine months. And we have in, in my classroom and for my students here, we've made uh, four trades, four significant trades over the last you know, four to five months based on support and resistance and the range that the 10-year has traded in basically from you know, the 150-ish up to 190, and we played TLT off of that, and they have worked to perfection. So I know you actually, in the, in the previous segment, you just talked about a little bit of a rally in TLT today, and I look over here, and it's trading, what, 141-ish or so. Yeah. So you know, what I would do is, okay, I'm going to look to see where does that correlate to the 10-year to see if I want to put a position on in TLT. And we've played it both ways in TLT based on where the 10 year has been. So we've been really bullish in TLT, um, you know, when, when, when rates have gone up and we've been really bearish when rates have gone down and, and, you know, it's just worked out really well. So there's a pretty, pretty nice direct correlation there uh, between the 20 year, the TLT and how the 10 year is trading. That's interesting because you know we talk a lot about relationships on this show, uh, and but that's not one that we've we've discussed. So so this is really good because you know we don't we don't often talk about we we talk about TLT as it relates to maybe like the bank stocks, right? Bank of course, America, but yeah. but not but not not TNX. So so this is super super interesting here. So tell us a, a little bit about what you're seeing in the market here, uh, Scott, as far as just sentiment or or feeling. I mean, how are you feeling? So so from the, from the retail perspective, the yeah. sentiment is overly bullish, incredibly bullish. And you see people just, you know, saying, oh, man, I wish I would have gotten in, you know, 200 points ago, 300 points ago, 1,000 points ago on the Dow, this, that, and the other. And they're feeling that FOMO right now. From the professional, from the, from the trader on the floor and the guys that I'm talking to every day on the floor, both still at the CBOE and the, in, in the CME, they can't believe where volatility is. And they're waiting for kind of the bubble to burst here a little bit, not looking for necessarily, you know, a big 10% sell off or anything, but just an event that's going to make volatility pop here because man, oh man, with all of the market risks that we have, inflated levels, geopolitical risks, US, China, uh, you never know what's going to go on with the impeachment, you know, trial to see VIX trading at a 12 handle is just ridiculous. 
I mean, you right. look at it down here, and whenever we get down to the 11, 12, you know, it seems like there's an event or something that will eventually pull us out. Is this just the time to buy insurance if you're long because the VIX is so cheap? That's what I tell everybody. When I, when I go on the networks and just speak to my students, even if you're not looking for a, necessarily a pullback, if you're not playing for a pullback, if you have stayed long in this marketplace in your retirement, whatever it is, not, not necessarily your day-to-day -day trading you know, accounts, but your investment accounts, we always look for bargains, right? When you, when you call up your insurance agent and you want a new deal on your car insurance, your home insurance, whatever it is, you always want a bargain. Insurance is at a bargain right now and there is no reason not to lock in some of those gains or at least have that position where if you do get a sell-off, okay, you're going to win a little bit here. I mean, th this is, to me, it's ridiculous how cheap it is. What do you think the catalyst could be to, and obviously we can never just get, guess on catalysts. I mean, it could be a trade deal. It could be anything. But, um, you know, I, I look at this and I think, well, seasonality is coming in. You know, usually December is a stronger month. Yep. We've obviously got, you know, the Santa Claus rally at the end of the year that usually comes in. I mean, this is setting up just, and maybe this is why all the ducks are in a row and insurance is so cheap because I'm struggling to really find the catalyst that's going to sell us off. Even when, you know, we have, you know, the China deal, which looks like, you know, maybe there's one coming here. I mean, now we've had, you know, you know okay, well, there's no deal, deal, no deal. I mean, even the volatility off that is muted now. Unreal. What do you potentially think could be the catalyst to knock this market down? So, so let, let me just state first that I'm a glass half full person. I am okay. typically very bullish. I am typically very optimistic. However, I do think that regardless of what happens with the U.S.-China talks with this phase one, if they actually sign a deal, I think we sell off. If deal falls apart, talks break down, I think we sell off. I think mm -hmm. this is the perfect setup for the buy the rumor, sell the news type of event yep. here. And to position yourselves, and I'm not, again, I am not advocating getting short this market. I'm not advocating getting out of longs. I am advocating buying protection because it's so cheap. And to me, I love kind of the anti look at this that that buy the rumors sell the news and i think you got to take advantage of it what specific stocks and let's just say you know, I, I don't have to give us names here but just like talk sectors here you know what do you like and what do you not like going to the final month of the year uh i i don't like energy at all i i, I think that it's just been you know we, we've looked at oil prices you look at nat gas and and even though nat gas has been so volatile, it's still been range bound. Same with, with, with the oil specter, right? We've had that incredible range. So I think that's pretty muted here. I do like the financials here. They have weathered such a storm through the whole rate debacle. I really do like them. And even though Powell, again, came out yesterday and said, you know, inflation is going to be muted at that 2% target. We're not changing rates anytime soon. You look at the big guys, the JPs, the Goldmans of the world, and even though they've really outperformed over the last month or so, I still like those. I'm a little hesitant on retail. Um, we've seen some good reports. We've seen some really bad reports. I'm a little hesitant overall in the space, though if I had to pick one stock in retail, and you guys just talked about it on the last segment, it, it would be Amazon because you know, regardless of the overall landscape, I think they're going to do really well. Because they're everywhere and everything, and 
in every in everyone's business and, and everyone's pockets. Uh, Scott, uh, before I let you go here, I, I want to give you a chance to just talk about Prosper Trading Academy and, and what you do and sort of what kind of education yeah. you stress to your students. Thanks. So, so I've taken my, you know, 20 plus years of actual floor trading experience and brought it on to trading on the screens, which most of us do here. And as, as a little bit of a backstory, I used to actually teach at the CBOE. I taught options for people that would come in. I taught at the OCC. So I've taken that teaching experience that I have along with my actual trading floor trading experience and brought it into in a live online classroom. So myself and a few other instructors, we have live during market hours trading classrooms where we trade along our students. We discuss not only the markets, but we go through the education of what's behind a certain position, not just options, but stocks as well. We look for earnings plays. We look for volatility. We look for momentum, swing plays. And we are as much about the education here and teaching people the fundamentals so they can wind up making their own decisions as we are about the trading. Before we let you go, you got a good good floor story for us? Maybe something that shaped your trading career. It could be a good one. It could be a bad S- one. Safer work floor, floor story. Let's preface that. Something that we can, you know. Something we, something we can have a little bit on the G-rated or at least PG-rated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, something I can share with the family. Like Disney-rated. <laughs> so, someone sh- swore on the show the other day. Yeah, you know, um, besides the Amazon one, which was just an incredible journey because the day that I walked over to trade in that pit – there was an announcement over the loudspeaker. It was, it was July. It was the middle of the summer. And I was literally, literally, honest to God, laying in my current trading pit, which was the Coca-Cola pit, doing a crossword puzzle. There was an announcement over the loudspeaker, market makers to Amazon. Nobody went over. I didn't go over. Five minutes later, another announcement. I said, all right, fine. I walked over. So I literally started making markets just you know, by my head. I had no theoretical sheets back in those days. We had no handheld computers. So I just started making markets. And, and as anybody knows, you know, yes, there's volatility, which determines the marketplace, but really everything is based off of supply and demand, right? Volatility increases, you know, due to supply and demand, it decreases due to supply and demand. So, you know, the, the experience that I had really allowed me to start doing that. And I'll never forget that one of the biggest orders I've personally ever taken down um, in the trading pit, they were February 70 puts in Amazon. A a broker came in from from Pershing back at the time, John Hafner. I don't know if you remember John Hafner or not. Anyway, he had a thousand puts to buy. Okay. I am the only trader out there. So back in those days, you couldn't short Amazon. You couldn't, you know, so if I'm selling stock and, or if I'm selling puts and I want to sell stock as my head, you can't do it because you, it's going to get called right in. He had a thousand puts to buy. He asked the market. I give him the market. He says, I'll buy a thousand. I said, I'll sell you 10 because we, <laughs> we were upheld by the law, literally to uphold our markets up there for 10 contracts. He said, all right, what's the market coming out? Gave him the new market coming out. He said, all right, I'll buy 990. I said, I'll sell you 10 more. <laughs> and, you know, it was literally just a matter of supply and demand. Um, finally got to that point where I wound up selling him a thousand puts in Amazon. And you know, here I am. I am literally the only trader in there. And I'll never forget at the time my partner saying, what the heck, well, heck are you doing? And I say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm trading around it here. I got it. I got it. I got it. 
by the end of the day with Amazon pretty much unchanged and volatility had gotten crushed, that broker came back to sell them all back out to me. You can pretty much figure out the rest of the story here. Wow. And another real quick one. I used to trade yearly when I was in the Coca-Cola pit directly against Warren Buffett. Against (laughs) Warren Buffett. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Did you make money off Warren? I made a lot of money off of Warren. And I'm sure he did as well. I'm sure he did as well. But remember, it's not a zero-sum game trading options. All right. Scott Power, he's the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy. Scott, thanks so much for the time today. And uh, have a great holiday. You as well. All right, uh, those are those are two of our better stories we've had recently on the yeah, show. Yeah, that's great. I love when you. That was tremendous. The thing, the guy, the the broker puking him back out to him. I mean, that is uh, that's that's so rare, you know, to have take both sides of the trade. But uh, good stories. All right, we'll have to get Scott back. <laughs> I just like it. Uh, I want to buy a thousand. I'll sell you ten. <laughs> well, I want to buy nine hundred ninety. I'll sell you yeah. 10. <laughs> that's what I have to sell you. <laughs> that's awesome. If it went with both hands, though, then he could have got hit with an unlimited amount. We talked about that before. You know, What's the biggest order you ever got hit with, Joel, when you were down oh, there? You, and you obviously were at oldie, too. You, what's the biggest uh, you well, for stock, or for, I mean, for, for stocks, definitely 100,000 share orders, uh, which, aren't, which aren't a lot of fun. Still and, sounds big. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the futures pit, I was a piker. I don't think I took more than like a 10 lot, but yeah. you know, it was 10 times. Because you were trading your own account when the futures yeah, pit too, though. Times, so 500 times, yeah, 10 times 500 times, there was quite a bit of equity. So yeah. I did see some, you know, big orders in the, you know, 1,000 lot orders in the S&Ps and things. Not for me personally, from um, EF Hutton. I don't know if you ever. Uh, Do some of the locals, will some of the locals get big down there though? Uh, I told you that one story where this guy was uh, was offering a thousand, and he kept that on. You know, he was trying to you know spook the market, get it down. And uh, this guy uh, Bill Grzynski goes goes over to him and he goes, he offered him a thousand. He goes, buy him. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and the guy's name was Mark. I won't give his last name. And he took the trade, and then he quietly walked out of the pit and he went to another broker and he said, you know work this on hell get me out of these <laughs> i did not want the thousand <laughs> yeah he did not i want mean this stuff and we talk about you know spoofing and we talk about you know layer we talked about that on the show and obviously they've they really cracked down this after 2008 you know with fake orders but the one thing about that you know maybe the regulators don't consider you throw a thousand shares you know or a hundred thousand shares to sell out there somebody can lift you you're in a high frequency yeah. trading world. They're they're still taking risk. I mean, they're just trying to push the market down. And this stuff went on, like Joel just said, even in the pits back in the day. You can get lifted on those orders. And so there is a risk sometimes, you know, where you yeah. know it's not just free money. They're thrown out there and you know, a hundred thousand shares and all of a sudden somebody says, Buy them, or they buy them on you in a high frequency. And now you're you know, you're maybe didn't want to be short. You were trying to, you know, push the market down and somebody bought them on you, and now you're in trouble. So there's it, no free uh, lunch, even, you know, in these illegal activities that they've defined. I mean, there's risk involved in that, too. Uh, I think the other was another guy, too, I won't mention his name, who used to literally take a shoelace and he would tie the shoelace around his left wrist and then he would tie the other shoelace around his belt buckle. So that way he could never, never go put up two hands, he'd never go up with two hands. So <laughs> when you throw up two hands, that just means it's unlimited. That's what it was. Yeah. Did you ever see anybody do that? 
Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I told the guy got hit on it. I mean, every yeah. like a lot of guys, but you know, if you, you know, even if you label your size on it, if you go through two hands up there, but yeah, yeah. So you can never, and then sometimes like you, were you on the tied your shoelace on your no, hand? Your no, I'd be buckle? like, these guys would be offering them down and I, you know, and I'd have like, it hit my thumb. I go buy one, buy one. And they just, they wouldn't even look at you. You know, they would just, you know, they, 10, 20, or 50. I'm like, no, I want one, you know? <laughs> I want one. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, we got distracted here. Joel, why don't you look at Disney real fast because we, we brought it up and then we never, we never actually looked at the chart. So. Uh, it's over Breakout. 150. Yeah, boy, oh, boy. Um, what are you going to do now? 151.77, up $2, uh, holding, holding the gains as well, too, up at the pre-market session, 152 and a quarter. No man's land here. I'll yep. just that, you know, that pre-market. I think it's going to open at 152 uh, and then hold a little bit and then maybe tail off a little bit. This is a big move for Disney. Uh, I mean, I never like to be short stocks making new all-time highs. It's like a rule. You know, write that one down for page seven of our book. Don't short stocks making new all-time highs. Don't buy stocks making new all-time lows. And so the stock's making a new all-time high here today. I'm still long in this, and I've obviously played it from the trading side a few times here as well. I've just been holding the core uh, investment there in the long-term portfolio, and I'm sticking with it. I was, you know, three months ago or six months ago talking when the stock was at 135. I thought it could be eventually a $200 stock. I still think it can eventually be a $200 stock, which is why I'm still long in the long-term portfolio. Yeah, so just keep it. I mean, if you want to target 152 and a quarter is your pre-market high. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be some stock in there in the book, right? Maybe uh, maybe the stock holds it down to get one of these sneaky opens at like 150 and a quarter because of the stock in the book, and then they run it back up to 152. So that's a that's a way to play it here. Uh, let's do here. You know what? Fitbit had a headline this morning. We were wondering why is Fitbit trading up? Well, a proxy filing came out late last night and the filing was very long and it detailed a bidding war between Google and somebody else. We don't know who that this was before to. Google got right. the deal right. that before, there was more, there was another potential suitor kicking around. Right. Exactly. So it's still a done deal with Google, but the, you know, the market always thinks, oh, if there was another potential suitor, maybe they'll come back with a bigger bid. I think that's why it's trading up here this morning, and it just trade up to 715. I do not believe that is going to happen. I believe this deal is done. What is the final price? What did they end up giving them? Seven bucks, wasn't it? No, it's more. It was more than seven. I don't remember. Because cash deals, I don't trade them afterwards. What was the final was price? Somebody seven, have it in front of them? Yes, it was 735. So it's still trading at a pretty significant discount, you know, considering. I guess this is going to be a while there, but it's really 735? That's I thought it was seven fifteen. It's seven thirty-five. That's the price. It's pretty good. At six seventy-eight close. I mean, you're starting to get a pretty good discount there. I don't know why this deal wouldn't go through. So maybe once Google changes their mind. But well, anyways, the risk arbs usually got these things priced out pretty well. So it's up here at seven bucks this morning. I guess there's still thirty-five cents on the table. I didn't, I thought it was seven fifteen. Let's look at ratings here. Aren't not as many today as there were yesterday. There were a lot yesterday. Uh, the one that Joel and I were kind of laughing at this morning uh, is this upgrade to TD Ameritrade to neutral at Citigroup. Uh, thanks. Classic yeah. chasing price. Well, right. or or, or chasing like you know an acquisition. But uh, yeah. Okay, so as far as uh, ratings we actually care about, the mm, CMG is a big one. 
yeah, CMG's big. Uh, That's a huge company, call from Cowan. Cowan and Company upgrading CMG to outperform, raising their price target from eight hundred to nine seventy. That's probably the call. Of the One day. of their best ideas, they said too. Yep. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get why this gets the premium. Uh, then you know, uh, you know, you start looking at where it's trading, and you know, comparatively to where the other restaurants are trading, this trades at a significant premium uh, to where other restaurants' stocks trading. So I don't totally understand that. But, you know, the stock's been technical, unbelievable performer in 2019. Got to be one of the best stocks and one of the big ones. You know, it basically doubled in 2019. Started the year around 400 bucks. We're up here at 800 here right now. So um, every pullback has been an opportunity. We got the recent pullback in October and November. That's just another buying opportunity here. So I guess, you know, just buying on pullbacks works. I don't like chasing stocks, but the stock always seems to get life here again. And why not? Maybe it eventually goes to all-time highs again. I don't understand it. It won't be in my long-term portfolio, but as a trade, it seems to be strong. Yeah, seven seven ninety-three is your fifty percent retracement from that eight fifty-six seventy-five high down to seven twenty-eight. You are trading above that. Uh, I don't know. I think you hang out around eight hundred for a little bit uh, today. Pre-market high comes in at eight oh five. So. Coming right into the 50% retracement. If you're looking for a gap fill, the start of the gap, you really want a juicy target today. 814.42 starts the gap, and then the gap goes up to 823.15. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see that today. Bill Ackman made a great call on this one, huh? Yeah. You know what? We give Ackman some heat, obviously, and the Herbalife deal and a few other bad ones. But he's been coming back. He did sell some. That's that's correct. Yeah. It's come back a long ways. I mean, okay. So let's go over. Tesla gets a downgrade here today. It's from a smaller firm here, China China Renaissance. Is that who it is? They're not widely followed, but they are getting a downgrade. I mean, we got this one exactly right yesterday. Um, You know, when this was 345, we were talking, you know, I – don't flat out say sell anything. Obviously, we don't give recommendations, but I came as close to saying I did not want to be long this thing and potentially short. I wish I would have shorted the open. It opened and gave you zero heat. The thing came right down six points, had a little bit of rally there late morning, and then just kept selling off. That was a gift because you got the initial move and then you had to kind of pop back up in the pre-market, almost a 50% retracement. So textbook there too, and looking at the 360 to 330, where it was trading was 345. All the ducks were in a row for a short on that Tesla yesterday morning, and it would have worked perfectly. 335 here now, trading down a buck. I still think rallies to be sold in Tesla. I think Tesla could eventually you know, be testing the 320 area. Still believer in the long-term story in Tesla. It just got too hot. And the truck is ugly. I don't think the ugly truck trade to the downside is over yet. All right. Just hanging out uh, just above that old time closing high of 31, 32.75 at 31.33. Uh, mid-range on the session. It's all I can really give you after that spike to 31.45. That's 31 to 36.50. That's real minor resistance on the downside. Pre-market low, 31.28. That lines up as a good number, your daily pivot. Could see a little downside after that to uh, the interday low from Monday at uh, 31.19 and a quarter. All right. Uh, that's it for our show today. If you want to hear any part of our show again, hear our dulcet tones, uh, catch our podcast. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, pretty much wherever podcasts are available or watch the show on Benzinga.com slash YouTube TV. Thanks again to both our guests, Ryan Craver and Scott Bauer. We appreciate their time. Thanks to those of you in our chats on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. Please remember, all the information from our show is meant to be used as information or purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, that's it for us. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on 
Wednesday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.